Hi, I'm Brenda Burns, and this is the Vienna Assembly of God Sermons Podcast. Thank you for listening. It's an honor to share this time with you. Learn more about the ministries of Vienna Assembly of God at ViennaAG.com. Please leave your comments and reviews on the platform where you're listening. And now for today's message. So we are in this series, Deeply Formed, and we are talking about the reality of our lives being formed as followers of Jesus. We have, this has helped emphasize a theme that has been strong for us, abiding in Jesus. He said, you must abide in me and I abide in you. You can do nothing without me. It is important that we are formed by him. If we are abiding in him, we are going to bear fruit. And so we are using the book, um, The Deeply Formed Life, to help us during this Lent season. So the things we've already talked about so far are rhythms of renunciation, that through the contemplative rhythms of of observing Sabbath, of prayer, of examination, that we can experience this formation and renounce the patterns of the world. The world is always trying to get us to move according to its pace, according to its priorities, according to its power. And we are called to live differently as God's people. And that is, a, but we have to make some choices in order to do that living differently. Next, we talked about race, reconciliation, and formation. And the reality that becoming formed to be like Christ has to address the deeply seated realities of racism that are in our lives and have existed through the centuries. And it is not reasonable to separate that from having the gospel impact our life. And so that is a major part of our formation. Last week we talked about interior examination. And this includes the act of examining ourselves for opening up our hearts. Lord, see if there be any wicked way in me. Show me your way. But it's beyond that. It's also looking at our patterns of response. How do we act when we're feeling anxious? How do we um, respond when somebody uh, pulls our trigger, so to speak, and looking for ways to grow in there, in that area. And that's not going to happen just by happenstance. We have to develop a practice of interior examination in order to grow in these parts of our life. Today, we're going to be talking about sexual wholeness. And yes, maybe I am brave, but it's one of the chapters in the book. I'm not going to skip it. And I also believe that he has helped us to um, address something that's very important. And uh, I hope that you will receive from this as we go into here today. We're going to start with looking at the scripture. So we're going to be reading in Genesis 2 and 3. And then another passage from the New Testament in 1 Thessalonians. But Genesis 2 and 3 give us the beginnings, the reality of our beginnings. 
Verse 21, Genesis 2. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Carrying on into chapter 3. Uh, I'm starting at verse 1. I'm sorry. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And from the New Testament, 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 3 through 4. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray for a moment. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love for us and for your care for every aspect of our life. For you created us. You know us better than we know ourselves. And so I pray that through today's message that we will receive an affirmation of that love and be drawn deeper into relationship with you. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So one of the things that I have appreciated so much about this book, The Deeply Formed Life, is the integration of all parts of living. 
And just as I said earlier, that as the realities regarding racial division must be included in our formation, friends, uh, we have to integrate our sexuality into our discipleship in order to be deeply formed followers of Jesus. And uh, it's important that it be a topic of conversation here at church because it's a part of our life. It's a part of our following Jesus. This is not something that is off limits for here, okay? So it's a sensitive topic, but we're going to discuss it with dignity and sensitivity. And right here at the top, I want to offer some additional resources. First, if you haven't had a chance to get the book, The Deeply Formed Life, I do recommend it. Um, I'm attempting to introduce you to the concepts in today's message on this topic. And we will discuss them a bit further in Wednesday's home group, but that is really not a great substitute for getting the, the whole book. And so I recommend that. Second, if something in today's message leaves you with a deep question, please contact me for a time when we can discuss that. Um, I am not presenting myself as an expert, but I am offering myself as a pastor, as a shepherd who can help guide you in the journey and maybe direct you to others that could help you with whatever your particular question may be. And third, for everyone that is interested, and listen up because I need you to respond to this. I will try to send a message in the morning to respond, but if, you're, if you can just email me right now or text. Those of you that are on our regular communication list, you have my contact information. But I am offering uh, the Seminary Now course, Christian Theology of Sex. It will take a couple of sessions for us to do it. It's a video course with an accompanying workbook. The truth is all of our life is built on our theology. What is it that we believe about God? And I am convinced that providing you with a thoughtful examination of scripture will help strengthen you. And I have been convinced that this is something we need to incorporate into our formation. And so I just want to let you know that that is available. Um, and so please respond um, today or at the latest tomorrow if you are interested in participating in that. So I'm going to follow the outline of the book to help frame today's message. I'm direct quoting quite a bit from the book, and part of that is because it's just well written and I can't improve upon it, but it's also just helpful to make sure I'm not leaving something out. So first, what is sexuality? <laughs> if we're talking about sexual wholeness, what is sexuality? And how do we join spirituality and sexuality in ways that lead to greater wholeness in our relationship with God and with others? So the book gives this definition from Deborah Hirsch, and I want to read it to you. Spirituality can be described as a vast longing that drives us beyond ourselves in an attempt to connect with, to probe, and to understand our world. And beyond that, it is this inner compulsion to connect with the eternal other, which is God, 
Essentially, it is a longing to know and be known by God on physical, emotional, psychological, and spiritual levels. You know that we all have spirituality. There are people in our community that even though they aren't following Jesus, they live with spirituality. There's this longing to figure out and know how to fill that longing. It has been said that we all have that God-shaped vacuum inside us, and we're constantly looking to fill that. So that is part of it. Sexuality, back to quoting here, can be described as the deep desire and longing that drives us beyond ourselves in an attempt to connect with, to understand that which is other than ourselves. Essentially, it is a longing to know and be known by other people on physical, emotional, psychological, and spiritual levels. And we can all relate to these longings. They are how God has made us. Dr. Hirsch is arguing that that longing to know people is an element of our sexuality, and it isn't all about intercourse. It isn't all about having sex, okay? God created Adam and Eve in his image, and according to theologian Marvadon, a significant part of that imaging is fellowship. And she terms that social sexuality. We long to be seen and to see others from the earliest moments of human development. In Genesis 2.24, however, we see another dimension of sexuality. And so I'm going to quote the book here. God lovingly established a means of covenant love whereby man is commanded to leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. Don explained that this new family unit is especially marked by the covenantal sign of genital union. So in this portion of scripture, the belonging takes on a particular form. Through the act of sexual union, we express with our entire bodies the call to full covenant love and union. In this powerful and creative act, we vulnerably offer ourselves to another, mysteriously reflecting the love of the Trinity. It's not just about our bodies colliding with each other. It's an act of self-giving, mutually indwelling love that points to something, again, beyond ourselves. That is why this kind of love requires the powerful and nurturing safeguard found in marriage. And the reality for us is we've got to learn to discern and distinguish between these two kinds of sexuality. Without this movement towards sexual wholeness, we're going to aim our desires toward things and experiences that never fulfill the longings of our soul. Pastor Rich says, it's true that for all of us that we've looked for love in all the wrong places. And I kind of want to focus on that truth today. Because I want us to overcome shame for the places where we've fallen short. 
All right. We all live with a profound sense of our sexual, sexual brokenness. This is the story of humanity from the opening pages of Scripture. So, yes, that's true. We face brokenness, but I want to proclaim hope to us. I want us to hear what does the Bible say and how can we overcome this so that we're not just in this sort of confusing morass of shame. Well, in that online course that we're going to do, Christian Theology of Sex, Dr. Jones begins with this thesis that our bodies are good. (laughs) The path to sexual wholeness requires that we remember this truth. God created us. And God said this about all his creation. It is good. Sin caused shame to come, and it prompted Adam and Eve to hide their bodies. Jesus came in the flesh, in a good human body, in order to redeem us from the fall, to set us free from sin. Yes, Sin has come, but your body is good. All different shapes, colors, heights, hair type or lack of hair, uh, levels of ability or disability. Your body is a part of God's good creation. But shame has come into the picture, and you see that so clearly in the scripture in Genesis, how quickly, as soon as they were aware of sin, Adam and Eve took on shame, and especially shame about their bodies and about their nakedness. And it's just kept going downhill ever since in terms of the level of ways that this happens for us. There's a lot for me to get through here, and I'm trying to decide if we can do it or not. Here's one of the stories that Pastor Rich related about shame, a story of a person that was really struggling regarding sexual wholeness. And so here's his memory. He remembered very well the talk that he had been provided about sex. His father, who had had too much to drink, came into his room when he was 13 years old. He fumbled around awkwardly, mumbling through some information about sex, and after about five excruciating minutes, asked, so uh, you got that? (laughs) To which this young man kind of shrugged and said yes. Then he pulled out from the paper bag he had been holding a Playboy magazine (laughs) and gave it to him. And said, okay, I guess you can have this now, but don't let your mother see it. So what did this young man learn in that exchange? He learned that sex is embarrassing. It is shameful. It is something to hide. And that it is exploitive. That women are objects and should be held to impossible standards. Rather than treating women as fellow human beings treating them with dignity and respect. This is just one guy's story that could be repeated millions of times. 
This is the enemy's work. And we can all relate to how whatever your story is, whatever has got, you know, been what's fed into your sexuality, you can relate how it impacts you. Married people, single people, teenagers, children, every age of adulthood, we all have these realities that we have to process. Becoming deeply formed in Christ brings freedom to all of our being, including our sexuality. We can be set free from shame and overcome temptation through an abiding relationship with Christ. We are instructed in the scripture, and Thessalonians was one of the examples, to avoid sexual immorality. I'm not going to have time to detail this, but I'll just give you part of one of the ways that Pastor Rich talks about this, how some wrong ways that people have approached trying to deal with this. One is called the starvation diet. <laughs> and that is an issue of actual repression. And it is even in, the, in church history been so strongly um, advocated that even sex within marriage was considered wrong and against one's relationship with God. We're not advocating the starvation diet. The second is the fast food diet. If it looks good, go get it. it anybody, you can just have whatever you want, and there's no restrictions, and it's, it's all good. And of course, our world system is pretty much there with believing that that is the way to deal with things. Thirdly is what he calls the gospel invitation to a banquet. And here's the reality. That banquet is, is more whole, more encompassing than just sexual union between husband and wife because that banquet is available to everybody. It is, it is understanding that our deepest longing, our, our greatest ecstasy is in God. But we have to make up our mind to believe that. We have to surrender our earthly realities to accept that. The scripture teaches that we can enjoy the gift of sex in marriage, but that is not the only thing about sexual wholeness. And I struggle with fully articulating this all for now. So I want to end today with some personal reflections. So I've been married since age 18. <laughs> I have zero experience to share with you um, from living single as a devoted follower of Jesus. But I do have several single friends, and I know that it is possible to live a victorious Christian life in this area. I also have married friends who have stepped outside the covenant vows of marriage, looking for fulfillment. As a Christian, 
I need you to hear me. This hope of sexual wholeness is not specific to marital status. Being married is not the answer to sexual wholeness. Hopefully, all of us that are married are, are bringing this area of our life before each other and before God and looking to him to experience wholeness in that. But it isn't a one and done. It, and it is, takes time. And that just because you're married doesn't mean you're there. And just because you're not married doesn't mean you can't experience sexual wholeness. I was victimized as a child, which further plunged me into brokenness. The struggle for sexual wholeness was not instantly resolved in my life on my wedding day. <laughs> and I just want to make that clear again so that we can move beyond shame, so that we can understand that, hey, this is a process and it takes time. It's been a long path and, and I'm not claiming I'm 100% you know, there now, no more brokenness. But here's what I am proclaiming. The truth of Jesus, the hope of redemption, the freedom from shame. And as a pastor, I just want to say this with power and with insistence that this freedom is available to each and every one of you. I don't know everybody's issues, but I am not foolish enough to assume that you don't have any. Okay? It's a real part of living this life out. And Jesus offers hope that you do not have to remain in bondage and in brokenness in your sexuality. Before I end, I, I want to acknowledge a painful reality that is really much too frequent. And that is the incidence of sexual failures in ministry contexts. Now, it's bad enough when the situation is someone in ministry authority choosing to have an extramarital affair with someone from out in the community, such as happened with a leader that I served. I felt betrayed. I felt shocked. I felt used. It was a bad scenario for me. It triggering, anger-producing, and it was just really difficult. But that person never fully repented, deflected, cast blame on others. It was, ugh. Unfortunately, that pattern is all too common. And we are hearing reports of even worse situations where Sexual harassment is tolerated in ministry workplaces. Sexual clergy abuse is covered up or denied or twisted to place blame on the victim. Child sexual abuse covered up in churches and ministry contexts. So hear me, I'm going to say it strongly, this must be cleansed out of the church. It has to happen. It is important to acknowledge this because the truth of being deeply formed in Christ requires that hidden sins be brought into the light and cleansed. It must stop.
Beyond that, though, on a personal, individual level, every one of us has to face struggles with sexuality, no matter your background or your current circumstance. The enemy uses shame to further enslave people to their desires. But we believe in the life-changing power of transformation, that we are made new in Christ, that we are called to die to ourselves and to live to him, that we are crucified with Christ, yet we live, that our bodies, your good bodies, can be presented to God as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. It's your reasonable response to his love, to his mercy, to his grace, to his freedom, to all that Christ has paid and done for us. We can be redeemed. We believe it is possible to renounce the ways of the world, and it is time for us to live according to what we believe. So I'm going to end today with a response time. I want to have the altar open here for anyone that wants to come for prayer. For those of you at home, I want to offer a moment for you to just come before the Lord and realize He is looking for you with love. Yes, Adam and Eve faced judgment after the fall. But when God was looking through the garden and saying, where are you? It wasn't with a desire for punishment. It was love. God looking for them. And when we feel shame, we hide. We hide when we know God's looking for us. But this is a moment to come out from behind wherever you're hiding and let God find you and set you free. We live on this side of the cross, friends. Jesus has already paid the price. And we can receive freedom from him in this area of our life and move toward sexual wholeness, whatever level that means for you. So let's bow our heads. There may be some that... Actually, I would be really surprised if there's not somebody for whom pornography is a real battle. And I just want to tell you there is hope in Jesus. There is hope in the name of the Lord. There may be some married couples that 
have some struggles. Maybe there's hurts, maybe there's misunderstandings, maybe there's reasons. I want to encourage you. There is hope in God. There may be those that are facing deep loneliness and have wondered if stepping outside of God's plan for sexuality would help. There is a place in God that that wholeness can come to you. can instead of feeling the things that will never satisfy the things that are out there they may they may have a temporary fix but they're never going to satisfy the deepest longings of our soul this moment and yet something from your past torments you there's a sense of shame that you can't get past I want to speak words of affirmation and love and mercy to you if you've brought that thing before God repented, asked for his forgiveness you are forgiveness He has taken our sins as far as the east is from the west. The enemy is your accuser, but not God. God loves you, and you can be set free from that shame. give all these things to you today we want to live holy in you we want to be whole not disintegrated not deformed but formed according to your plan for our life which is good which is beautiful which is complete and I pray that you will help us to grow in this area that we will move away from the world system way of dealing with sexuality. And we will instead embrace a holistic view, knowing that you want to meet the deepest longings in our heart. I pray for your mercy to be poured out in every person. bring us into wholeness. In Jesus' name. Amen. 
If you enjoyed today's message, why not share it with a friend? I invite you to subscribe at Apple Podcasts and our YouTube channel. We'd love to hear your feedback and comments. So glad that you were with us today. Look forward to seeing you next week. At Vienna Assembly of God, we love God, others, and life. And we're leading our community in a growing relationship with God.